0: During my second year of seminary, um, it was around December, and Bishop Rice, who was in charge of us at the time, many of you remember Bishop Rice, the auxiliary bishop here in St. Louis. Bishop Rice was on a little bit of a vacation with a priest, and he was coming back very, very late at night on a Tuesday. For a variety of reasons, there were there were a whole host of reasons why he was coming back very late that night all of which are rather hysterically funny that I can't get into here. It would take too much time. But needless to say, Bishop Rice was coming back to St. Louis at 12.30 at night on an Amtrak from Chicago. And he needed someone to pick him up from the Amtrak station at 12.30 at night. Keep in mind, this is near finals week uh, at the seminary. So I was kind of placed in charge of picking him up, but I also realized... I knew Bishop Rice, I knew that he would probably want to do something afterward, even though it was 1230 at night. So myself and three of my classmates, we all went and decided to pick up Bishop Rice, because you know, four people need to, to pick up a guy at 1230 at night from the Amtrak station. So sure enough, we pick up Bishop Rice at 1230 at night from the Amtrak station, and sure enough, 30 seconds later, Bishop Rice goes, I'm hungry, let's go get Uncle Bill's pancakes. So We did. And we knew this was going to happen, basically. So we went to Uncle Bill's Pancakes and hung out there until about 2 in the morning. But before we actually went to Uncle Bill's Pancakes, though, Bishop Rice told us, he says, now, you all have to get up on time tomorrow morning and be in chapel at 6. And so we said, oh, sure, Bishop Rice, absolutely. We will definitely still get up on time at the crack of dawn and be in the chapel at 6. Well, I didn't. I overslept. And I had to do the seminary version of the Walk of Shame and come to chapel late in the morning. And afterward, Bishop Rice pulled me aside. He goes, what did I tell you last night? I said, you told me to be on time in chapel. He goes, yes, and were you on time? And I said, no, Bishop, I was not. <laughs> it was very much a case of hindsight being twenty twenty. I had a very clear decision that I made the night before. That I was going to stay out late with Bishop Rice and my classmates and eat pancakes till 2 o'clock in the morning. And the effect of it was made very clear the next morning that I overslept and was late to mass. Hindsight is 2020. It's the case of had I known what I know now, I probably would have decided things a little bit differently. The ultimate example of that brothers and sisters is of course original sin. It affects every aspect of our lives. Original sin, I'd say, along with the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus, are the two most important events in human history. We cannot write a history of humanity without talking about redemption, but also talking about original sin. And again, it's the ultimate example of hindsight being 2020 knowing something that we know now that may have affected what we would have done before. So what do we know now? about original sin that maybe would have changed the decision-making of our first parents. We have a beautiful visual example of that in our Blessed Mother. Mary, who was untouched by original sin from the first moments of her conception, her entire life is a visual of what would have happened to us if Adam and Eve had not sinned. She is a picture of everything that we lost and everything that we could have been had Adam and Eve not taken the apple of that tree. She has the fullness of grace and the effects of original sin never affected her as they do for us. Now, brothers and sisters, the primary consequence of original sin was death. That was the primary consequence of original sin. Death is simply a separation of our bodies and our souls from each other. And that's an unnatural state for us to live in. Our bodies and souls are meant to be together as they are now, as they will hopefully be at the end of time. But in death, there is a temporary separation of the body and soul. The body stays here on earth while the soul goes for judgment. It is not what we had in the beginning. And because Mary was conceived completely free from original sin, the end of her earthly life, it follows, would be different than us. Mary did not die, or at least the end of her earthly life was not like ours. It's very theologically nuanced. But Mary was assumed into heaven body and soul. Her body and soul never separated. She never experienced that separation like you and I will. She had no pain. She had no decay. It is the sort of death we could have had, if not for, were it not for original sin. Mary also shares the lots of Christ wherever possible, brothers and sisters. And just as Christ conquered death, it is fitting that Mary would share in that conquering too. Just as it was fitting that Christ defeated the domain of death, he would let his greatest co-worker share in it. So we heard in our second reading today from St. Paul, Christ has been raised the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. It is fitting that Mary would receive the gifts of the resurrection and, that, and receive it in the greatest possible way, in anticipation of what others would receive in their due time. It's an anticipation of what we will hopefully receive in heaven. Mary just received it first. So not just in life did Mary follow her son, but Mary also followed her son in death, if you will. Her whole life was patterned after him, and so it makes sense that the end of her life was too. And Mary's life was not just on autopilot or cruise control following after Jesus. No, she had to freely choose him, to freely choose Jesus. It was a decision for her to follow Jesus every day. It was a decision for her to magnify the Lord, to make God more outwardly visible by her words and actions. And that is the same decision that you and I are called to make each day, brothers and sisters. Just as Mary's soul magnified God in every aspect of her life, we too are called to make God visible to others, to those around us. We are called to magnify the Lord by our works of mercy, those spiritual and corporal works, to magnify the Lord by our charity toward brothers and sisters and caring for the needy. We can also magnify the Lord by conforming our lives to Christ just as Mary did. And if we do that, we can receive what Mary received through her assumption, namely eternal union, body and soul in heavenly glory. And we might not receive it in the same way that Mary did, but today's feast reminds us that that is eventually our final calling. So while hindsight might be 2020, what lies before us in heaven is thankfully visible to us today as well. Let us pray today that Mary's assumption can inspire us to follow Christ both in life and in death, and to choose him above all else, and to learn from Mary, our mother, our queen, and our example of holiness.